we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. piece of software here we go the radical fundamental principles of freedom rational self-interest and individual rights this is the Yaron Brook Show. All right, everybody, welcome to the Yaron Brook Show on this. Uh, it's Sunday. It's Sunday, and uh, today's gonna be fun. I'm excited to have back on the show Bradley Thompson, who is uh, from Clemson University. He's been on the show many times. Uh, we're gonna talk about the. Uh, we're gonna talk about the right particularly one part of the right, or I guess a whole group of people on the right uh, of various, uh, various types. Um, before that, uh, a few just quick reminders to everybody. Uh, don't forget, before you leave the show, to like the show. That really helps with the algorithms on, uh, on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe if you're not a subscriber, and don't forget to support the show. Um, you can do so on Super Chat. Uh, right while we're talking, and of course, uh, questions for Dr. Thompson, questions for me. Priority will be given to two things. One, questions on topic, and two, uh, questions that carry, you know, more dollars. It's, it's very simple. The more dollars you put in the question, the more likely it is we will answer it. You know, if, if you really want to get my attention, you know, add a bunch of zeros to, uh, to the, uh, the, the original digits and uh, we'll get to the question really, really fast. All right. Um, let's see. What else do we need to do before we get started? I, I will remind everybody, just as a note, I will be uh, doing a show tomorrow. Uh, so we'll be talking tomorrow and on Tuesday. Uh, and, um, and that's it. Let's jump in. Hey, Brad. Hey, Ron. How you doing? I'm good. How about you? All right, Doing let's fine. see. We've got this on view side by side. We're going to switch the speaker view. 
I think people prefer that. And um, so, so I remember about five years ago, we started talking about kind of the alt-right. And I, I remember I did a couple of shows, I think, on what was then kind of the Iran book show or something similar um, about the alt-right. Uh, and then, of course, we had an election and, and everything else happened. And uh, that's when I kind of noticed them and, and uh, the alt-right. And, you know, after the show, I got all this anti-Semitic stuff. And it was, it was pretty... It was pretty nasty, um, and uh, and they've been around since then uh, at the fringes, nipping away. And we'd been talking about this phenomenon on the right for a long time. But when when did this kind of come to consciousness for you? When did this issue uh, become real? And then what has stimulated kind of your most more recent interest in writing and engagement with this? Yeah, so. As you said, uh, four or five years ago, I think we both started hearing about becoming moderately interested in what at the time was called the alt-right. And, um, you know, I, th I, think the, I think the turning point event was uh, Charlottesville uh, and the protests in Charlottesville uh, and, and the aftermath of, of what happened in Charlottesville. And I think, you know, it shocked it shocked me. It shocked you. It shocked, I think, a lot of people uh, that there was that that there was this movement, um, which at the time consisted of a number of of sort of very disparate groups. I would say, um, from from you know neo Nazis uh, to various white nationalist front people, uh, various identitarian groups. I mean, I think the the coalition that formed at Charlottesville was actually a fairly, well, uh, fairly broad spectrum uh, group of people that loosely went under the name of the alt-right. Um, probably the most famous person associated with the alt-right, uh, and I think the guy who gave the name to it uh, is this Richard Spencer yep. guy who was a white nationalist uh, uh, type. And but with Charlottesville, the whole thing seemed to implode. And if, in fact, it really did implode. The alt-right died, I think, in many ways at Charlottesville. Um, and, and then it, that whole sort of movement just kind of, it seemed on the surface, uh, to my way of thinking, it kind of disappeared. Um, and then it was now, I guess, uh, two years ago that I became aware of uh, of a different kind of movement uh, that was not necessarily associated with the alt-right. And it was a movement that was primarily online that grew out of uh, places like 4chan and 8chan. Uh, and it was largely a, an underground movement of young people uh, who took Pepe the Frog as, as their mascot. Well, Pepe was really the mascot of the alt-right even five years ago. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, might might have been, uh, but Pepe only came to me sort of post huh. alt right, you know. And th this was this was you know the the time of Milo Yiannopoulos uh, and 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 other people like that, and you know, and I, I started noticing that that young people in particular uh, were were latching onto this, you know the. I, I had been aware of following, had been writing on the sort of general generic right for 
quite a number of years. Well, we wrote a book uh, together, right? On, that's right. <laughs> on the neoconservatives. Right. Uh, so, uh, did a book on neoconservatism, yeah. and uh, I'd actually been sort of writing on the conservative intellectual movements for probably 20 years, yeah. even prior to the neocon book. And, you know, and, and, but the, 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 the right, broadly speaking, both conservative and libertarian uh, was largely a movement that was, that had increasingly become focused in Washington, DC and in the, the major conservative and libertarian think tanks, Heritage Foundation, American Enterprise Institute, the Cato Institute, Competitive Enterprise Institute, et cetera, et cetera. So it was, it was a movement uh, at the time. And now, you know, we're talking sort of um, 2000 up to maybe 2010 at the most. It was, it was a movement led by these white paper think tanks, mm -hmm. uh, for lack of a better term. So in other words, it was a movement uh, it was a movement of grown-ups, you might say. Uh, but then all of a sudden, uh, I don't know, I think around 2017, I became aware that there was this underground movement uh, of young people, and they were entirely online. And uh, so I, I started exploring. I mean, I, ha I had a kind of a personal interest uh, in the subject because uh, I, 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 it turns out somebody that I, that I had known was had been a part of this world which i just i knew nothing about mm -hmm. and so i started exploring it uh and i quickly discovered and you and i have talked about this uh this at the time young 14 year old girl who goes by the name of soph who was putting out these incredibly um provocative i mean that and that's putting it mildly uh videos um and and she had a million followers on on YouTube. And then there was this guy Sam Hyde, who's very popular uh, on what I call the dissidents uh, right. Who and and he he had his own uh, his own TV show. And um, and the guy was frankly kind of a madman. And so anyway, I just I started following this world. And then uh, I think the turning point came in August of 2018. And interestingly enough, two, I'd say, important things happened uh, uh, that year. The first was um, Jordan Peterson's sort of disappearance. That's when Peterson just sort of fell off the map. Um, or maybe that was, I'm sorry, that was 2019. 19. He fell off the map in 19, yeah. yeah. And so in August of 2019, Jordan Peterson just fell off the edge of the earth yep. and he stopped giving talks. And I think most people know uh, his very sad story since then. Um, but the very same month, the Claremont Review of Books published a review by Michael Anton, who was the author uh, of the infamous Flight 93 election essay that really was a kind of catalyst uh, behind the Trump campaign in 2016. People don't know that essay. Can you quickly give it a, like a one paragraph summary? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the, the thesis is um, think of the 2016 election as flight 93 and you're a passenger on flight 93 and you basically have two options. You can just go down with the plane that's been taken over by terrorists 
or you can, uh, against all odds, try and fight the terrorists and take back the plane. The plane, and maybe you have some small uh, possibility of surviving. But yeah, basically, you probably go down anyway. Won. But at least you fought, in a sense. But but at least you and, fought. And some and, odds. But, but, yeah. But yeah, and that that's how Anton viewed Trump's election. Uh, the, the left has become increasingly totalitarian. They are going to destroy America. Uh, Trump, for all of his vices and flaws, uh, is the only possibility to fight uh, the left. So you might as well vote for Trump. Uh, so Anton um, wrote a review uh, of a book titled Bronze Age Mindset by the perversely named Bronze Age Pervert. And up until that point, I'm not sure that I even heard of the book or of the Bronze Age pervert. Uh, but that review, which was a review that was both in awe and in shock of, of this book by Bronze Age pervert. But in, on the whole, though, I would say the Anton review was, was generally speaking, at the very least, fascinated by Bronze Age mindset, if not somewhat um, supportive of the mm -hmm. Bronze Age mindset. And from that moment forward, uh, certainly in one small corner of uh, the online dissident right, particularly amongst graduate students um, in political philosophy, all of a sudden, the Bronze Age pervert and his book Uh, became the hottest ticket in, in, in town. And so um, the Bronze Age pervert uh, has, a, has a very large following on Twitter, almost 60,000 followers on Twitter. He, uh, he has a very popular podcast called Caribbean Rhythms. Mm -hmm. And um, so th that's, you know, I, I started becoming very interested in what was happening with, with the online dissident right. And because, you know, Uh, I'm a university professor. I'm I'm interested in what young people are interested in, and 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 with this larger interest in that I've had for decades now uh, in the on the right, in, in you know an interest in conservatism and libertarianism. Um, I just started following this stuff, and um, I will go ahead. So well, I mean, Anne has a question that where she's attempting to insult both of us, but uh, she says, uh, you did a show on BAP a year ago from Bad Suggestion. It was actually longer than a year ago, but yes. Uh, at what point is the focus on the fringe right a way to steer clear of cancel culture? <laughs> I mean, you're talking to Brad, who has been, uh, cancel culture has attempted to cancel many times and has fought them vigorously on campus and has published op-eds against them and has done, uh, you know, all kinds of work with regard to cancel culture. And I basically devoted, I don't know, 50% of the last few shows to cancel culture. So uh, what you want and what many of these people want is that we never talk about the fringe right because the only enemy, the only enemy is the left. And this is a good question, I guess. Is it true that in the, you know, is BAP our friend because the left is our enemy? Well, the answer to that is absolutely not. Right. So that's why in um, just almost a year ago now. So I guess in May of 2020, yep. uh, I wrote this essay that that has caused an enormous 
firestorm of uh, controversy titled The Rise and Fall uh, of the Pajama Boy Nietzscheans, uh, a, a title that you just can't get out of your head. And, um, and with that, then I, I have... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spent the last 10 months of my life uh, battling with these guys who have launched a kind of personal... Um, not ideological, interestingly enough, but a personal jihad against me. Mm -hmm. And so if for some reason Anne thinks that Brad Thompson uh, hasn't been a victim of both the woke right and the woke left, she's sorely mistaken. I've spent an entire academic career uh, being uh, attacked and, and attempts to cancel me by both the right and the left, um, and uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm probably one of the few people in history who's been foiled three times. Uh, that is, I've had freedom of information yeah. uh, requests where, uh, you know, hundreds of pages of my emails uh, have been produced uh, and, 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 and attempted to make public. So, um, uh, but this is this is a trend on uh, among certain uh, you know people affiliated with objectivism that, and it's a trend I think on the right more broadly on the on the better right that uh, there's only one enemy and that's the left and we should focus all our energy all our efforts on that and and ignore the right. So I we've done two shows by Anne's own admission in one year right a year ago and now, and that to her is she's going apoplectic because of two shows because we haven't dedicated every second of every waking moment to attacking cancer culture, which is being attacked by us, but also by, you know, plenty of people. I mean, there's, there's a whole army out there attacking cancer culture every single day. Anyway, back to BAP. So you published Pajama, um, uh, Pajama Nietzscheans, which is one of the great titles ever, and it, got, it, it really got them. It got people talking. But before we get to BAP, before we really dig into BAP, the article doesn't just go after BAP. I mean, and, and I don't want to present it as uh, BAP is the only force on the right that we think is worthy dealing with. Um, but it, it also takes on kind of the tradcons, uh, traditional conservatives. Um, so talk a little bit about tradcons and then maybe uh, broader, what, what, what you consider the dissident right and who 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 counts within the dissident right? 
Right. So, you know, there there are all kinds of sub-factions uh, in the dissident right. I've been primarily concerned with, I think, the two largest factions, uh, the so-called uh, Catholic trad cons or uh, Cath trads, as they're sometimes called, on the one hand, and then uh, uh, primarily Bronze Age pervert and his followers uh, on, on the other hand. The, the Catholic trad cons, as they're called, um, in the essay, the Pajama Boy Nietzscheans, I take up primarily uh, two of the leading voices of the Catholic trad cons, uh, a professor of political science at Notre Dame, uh, a guy named Patrick Deneen, uh, who wrote a book called Why Liberalism Failed, and then Sorab Amari, who is uh, the editor of the New York Post. And... Um, and, and and what I what I try to do in the Pajama Boy Nietzschean's essay is demonstrate that both of these factions of the reactionary right are profoundly anti-American. And in fact, not only are they that, but they join with the left mm-hmm. in their anti-Americanism. So in the essay, I begin with a critique of the 1619 Project, uh, and uh, and then I turn to these. The, these two factions, which I consider to be equally anti-American, and they are openly and explicitly anti-American. So the Catholic trad cons, for instance, on the one hand, they want to argue that all of the things that they regard to be corrupt, immoral, and evil in 21st century America, and, and this would be primarily on, on cultural uh, issues. So, uh, so Rob Amari seems particularly exercised by dra- drag queen reading hour, for instance, right? Yeah, and and but what Amari and uh, Deneen want to argue is that the the nihilism and moral relativism of late twentieth and twenty first century liberalism is the direct result. Indeed, it is the culmination of the principles of the American founding. Yep. So for Deneen and Amari, there is a straight line between the Declaration of Independence and the Port Huron Statement, which was the, 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 the new left statement of the 1960s, that there's a direct relationship between uh, Thomas Jefferson's ideas and that and, and drag queen story hour, right? Yeah, so it's seen, one yeah. continuous whole. Yep. It's the working out of those ideas. Yep. And uh, I, th- that is just simply false. Well, and, uh, and, and they, they make a very specific claim, both there and, you know, in the whole Amari French, which was this fight within, within the right, you, you, I, I read a lot of kind of what, they, what these tradcons were writing. The, the real opposition they have is really twofold. It's the individualism, right? Individualism is what the left is about, and it's a you know rejection of community and tradition and uh, and the state and the common good and the public interest and all that. So they reject individualism. They blame the founding fathers for instilling individualism, and that the inevitable outcome of individualism is the left. And then, in a sense, they don't do this explicitly. They reject reason. They reject at least the individual's capacity to think for themselves. And so, what they reject is individual values. Uh, and your choice of values, your ability to use your mind, because, again, that leads to subjectivism, which is what, what they blame that link between Jefferson and, 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 uh, and the modern left to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the way, the, way, the way to sum it up is the founders' view is that the purpose of government is to protect the rights of individuals. 
for the Catholic Tradcons, the purpose of government is to promote virtue and the common good mm-hmm. uh, or the, the public welfare. Uh, and of course, I mean, the, the, the whole idea of the common good is an anti-concept uh, that, that, has, that has no basis in, in, in reality. Uh, and so they, they are willing to use the coercive force of the state to make men good rather than mm-hmm. withdrawing the force, the coercive force of the state in order to make men free. That's the, that's the fundamental difference between their view and the founders' view. But somehow they believe that, that the founders' emphasis on, on individual rights uh, in, and individualism leads to uh, the, the, what they consider to be the corrupt culture of the world in which we live today. And, and, and so, you know, the, the, you, you, might, you might describe them as central planners of the right, mm-hmm. whereas the central planners of the left want to control, uh, want to control man's body. They want to control what, you know, what he produces. These central planners of the right want to control what he thinks um, and, and, and his, his, uh, his, his moral views. So, yeah. and, and I've noted, I've noted on my show that they now have a parallel in politics, which is that people like Josh Hawley and, and, uh, and others who, who admit to being central planners and want government to control much of our behavior. So there are people now in Washington who, you know, manifest these ideas. And, and we know we've got new think tanks centered around these kind of ideas, um, one by Cass and another one I forget the name of. Uh, we, we've got conferences of conservative nationalists who these people all affiliated with. I mean, there is, this is more than just an academic movement. This is now an academic political movement. Yeah, it is. And the Catholic Tradcons, they, they tend to be somewhat more intellectually respectable because, uh, you know, they all have those fancy college degrees and, uh, and some of them teach it at, at, at universities and they have um, high powered visible positions uh, in the media and, and, and amongst the intellectual elite. Bronze Age Pervert and his followers, however, um, you know, it's a movement mostly of young men, I'd say between the ages of 18 and 35. Uh, but with Bronze Age Pervert and his followers, they likewise reject the principles of the American founding. So, so what do know, they the, offer in its stead? So, you know, the, the, the Tradcons, we know what they offer in its stead. They offer kind of a traditionalist, authoritarian, you know, we're going to impose our values on you and we're going to guide society to be good. What is, what is BAP's, uh, BAP is short for Blanche Age Pervert, what is BAP's um, solution? What's his ultimate state? Well, I mean, BAP's philosophy is, there's a lot to say about it, yep. and it, it, much of it is, is profoundly convoluted, but there is, there is a kind of systematic philosophy, but to go directly to your question. Yeah. I mean, what, what is the end point? What is the political end point of Bapism? It is, uh, by his own admission and that of his followers, it is what they call Caesarism. So, I mean, you, and, and it's military rule. It's mm-hmm. the military state that they are proponents of. And um, Bap, uh, in the book, Bronze Age Mindset, and on his podcast, 
you know, you can see who is, he tells you who his political heroes are. They include Saddam Hussein, no. Muammar Gaddafi, no. Edward, yes, Eduardo Stroessner, uh, Juan uh, uh, Perón, yeah. um, uh, Salazar, um, uh, and Franco from Spain and yeah. Portugal. Yeah. Right. So those are the. There's exclusive. a big revival in interest in Franco. It's interesting. He's considered yeah. the less bloody of all the dictators of the 20th century. Right. And there's a there's a lot of people now coming out. Oh, Franco wasn't that bad. That you know, unbelievable. Uh, yep. Yeah. So it's it, at the very least, it's strongman authoritarian rule, uh, and uh, and and at its worst, it's it's and there, and in the essays that I wrote after the rise and fall of the pajama by Nietzscheans, um, I, I've sort of laid out fairly systematically BAP's moral and political philosophy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, 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 at, the, at the very least, it's flirting with fascism, if not uh, right. openly uh, supporting. If you admire uh, Saddam Hussein, you're, you're flirting with fascism. There's no... Um, so, so what is... So I, I, well, let's let's let me ask this first, and then we can get into the philosophy. I mean, it's easy; it would be easy to dismiss Bap because he's a nut, and and the, the whole ideology is is insane and ridiculous and anti-American and marginal and and really uh, and pretty dumb. But what you've discovered, which I think is fascinating, and which is surprising to some extent, I think, is that many of his followers, many of the people interested in him, are smart. Um, you know, PhD graduates in political science at some of the best universities in the country. Uh, so, so he is appealing to people. We kind of to kind of geeks and to to people who might become teachers and might become professors and might become real influencers. Um, that to me is what is really spooky and scary about what's going on here. It's not his ideas, which I think are easily dismissed. Uh, and it's not him who I think is a nobody and a nothing, given that he won't even come out and give, it, give us his name. Um, but it's the fact that his followers are, in a sense, real people. They're not just uh, crazy young people sitting in their mother's basement, uh, you know, playing video games. Well, there is some of that. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but, um, but no, you're right. Uh, and w- one of the essays uh, that I published recently titled um what's the title i've got it right here uh the bap boys and america yeah and it's it's an attempt to understand and explain how and why a generation primarily of highly educated young men uh not only in the united states but around the world actually because this is becoming a worldwide movement uh how and why they have become attracted uh, to to these extraordinarily bad ideas, and I think it's I think it's really important for all of us to understand that the tectonic plates underneath our culture are shifting, right? And and this is really why I got interested in this because you know the future is always with the young, and to understand where the country is going, you have to understand wh- what it is that is appealing to to young people. And, and in my particular case, uh, I was interested in what young conservatives and libertarians were becoming interested in. 
And so it's important to begin with a kind of sociological profile of who these young, primarily men, but not all men, you know, what, what has brought them to this, right? Because many, this is interesting because many of the, of, of these young men. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, five, six years ago, would have thought of themselves as mainstream Heritage Foundation uh, conservatives or Cato Institute libertarians. Yep. Um, but within a very short period of time, they migrated uh, and indeed have come to reject what they call conservatism, Inc. and libertarianism, Inc. Mm-hmm. for this for this new philosophy. Now, why why is it? I mean, who are these these young men? Look, this is a generation of primarily young men who, from the time they entered kindergarten until the time they graduated from high school and then college, have been told that they are racist, sexist, and homophobic by virtue of being white, male, and heterosexual, right? And so this is a generation of, 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 of young men and women who, in effect, have really felt the slings and arrows uh, of the totalitarian left, yeah. right? In ways that you and I would not have mm-hmm. when we were, you know, going through uh, elementary school and high school and, and college, even though we had some of it back in the day, but not like them. I mean, they, they are living in a stifling uh, moral, psychological, intellectual environment and have grown up in this environment. And and then all of a sudden one day, you know, when 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 they're maybe say in their 20s and they, they come to realize that Brooks Brothers conservatism and white paper libertarianism have have been feckless in defending them. Uh, they 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 have rejected. Uh, they come to reject um, uh, mainstream conservatism and libertarianism, and and then all of a sudden they started looking for these alternatives. Some of them initially went with the so-called alt right, but in more recent uh, years. They have migrated toward the Catholic trad cons and towards Bronze Age mindset. So, you know, on the one hand, you can say, and I do say in, 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 in what I've been writing, is that I get it. I understand how and why uh, this generation has become what I've called the lost generation. Um, they had no defenders. They had yep. no intellectual defenders. Yep. And there was a vacuum that had been created by conservatism and libertarianism, Inc., Right. No, but nobody's interested in in the Cato Institute producing another white paper on free market transportation policy. Right. That's not what interests the young today. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no inspiration. There's no uh, and there's no fight. There's no fight against the evil of the left. There's no and there's no 
projection of of what is possible. And you know, I noticed you know five years ago again when uh, when the alt right was active, uh, there were few, not many, but a few objectivists who kind of drifted off to the alt right. And when you asked them why, their answer was they're at least doing something. Right. right, and the idea was that by by spamming or what do you call it, trolling, by doing memes, that was doing something because th- these young people felt like they were fighting. Right, there was a fight in them, and nobody has rallied these young people around the cause in a way. You know, we always say it's intellectual; it takes decades. We have to write papers, you have to write articles, you have to do this stuff. They want action. They want to do something right now, and and. Yeah. Those people, those young men, and I think this is why it's primarily men, although I'll be accused of being sexist in a minute, um, are oriented towards action. And given that orientation towards action, action in the physical world, and it's not just the libertarians and the conservatives. I mean, there's very little I can tell a young person today. I said, these are the things you should do, act, in order to change the world, because it's a big task. Yeah, it, 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 and, it is a big task, right? Uh, but they've been seduced yep. by the by by these very bad uh, uh, philosophies. And you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I have dubbed them the Fight Club right, yeah. right? It's it's this generation of of of, uh, of young men who 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 do want to stand up and fight, and that and one can be very sympathetic to that. I mean. That's how I've that's how I've conducted my professional life for the last thirty years. Uh, it has been to be sure. in the middle in the of a fight. But, but just, remember that the Nazis said the same thing, right? I mean, they they came out and said, "We we need to act. We need to do something about the state of the world, the left, and everything else. We need to act on it." So it, it, it's all about it's it, it's it's the same materialistic fascist kind of orientation towards action without thought. And we are both be fighting, but the fight takes on a different, I mean, it's not a fight that everybody can be engaged in in the same way because of the nature of the fight. Yeah. And look, I will say, I mean, you you can think of, for instance, Bap and his followers in terms of the good, the bad and the ugly. Right. So there are some things that that I can understand how and why it is that young men today would be attracted to Mm -hmm. it. So BAP is openly and explicitly uh, anti egalitarian. Yep. Right. And uh, and 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 not only is he anti egalitarian and and has been really a quite savage critic uh, of the left um, and it, uh, it, it's, it's primary hobby horses. Um, he's also offering something of a positive vision, which is aesthetics. So in many ways, the first thing that, you, that one has to say about BAP is that it's an aesthetic movement. He's trying to lead a kind of a, an aesthetic revolution, Pretty which good. is why, in, you know, yeah. this can be mocked uh, to be sure, but this is why BAP on his Twitter feed like every day is posting uh, photographs of, of sort of half naked, muscle bound, uh, usually European uh, male models. But this is the same aesthetic, exactly the same aesthetic as the Nazis and the communists. I mean, uh, it's exactly the same. If you look at if you look at communist art from the Stalin era, it's all these buff men, you know, doing physical labor because you know you know that's what's really. And, and if you look at the Nazi aesthetic, both in architecture, in sculpture, 
uh, and in in everything else that they did, it, it's the same kind of. It's it's he he's not original here. I mean, Nazism was very much projected as an aesthetic movement, um, and and Hitler spent huge. Given that he was at war, spent huge amounts of time designing the future Berlin and talking about with sculptors and architects about what it would look like. I mean, this is a this is a big part of what these materialistic kind of fascists are all about. Yeah. And that also translates uh, into his political views. So uh, in a recent podcast, uh, BAP uh, praised uh, the aesthetics of Albert Speer. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, the, the Nazi the Nazi architect uh, and the, the mass, you know, nighttime rallies. Mm -hmm. Uh, with all, you know, the, and the, the theatrics of, of well, their Lina, Lina Wert, Wertheimer, what was the director's name who, who directed all those yeah. Nazi movies? I mean, I'm sure that is massively appealing to somebody like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's, 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 it's anti-egalitarian. Yeah. It's, it's anti-nihilist. BAP has been uh, profoundly influenced, and you can see it in his book, Bronze Age Mindset, by, by Nietzsche uh, and Nietzsche's critique of nihilism. So um, some, of your, some of the people in your audience might know of Nietzsche's discussion of the last man mm -hmm. uh, at the, in the prologue to Thus Spake Zarathustra. And the, the last man is... Uh, it is sort of the, the last man uh, is in a sense, it's socialist man. Um, and who, who BAP refers to as a bug man, right? It's the lowest form of life, uh, which can be equated to essentially cattle, right? Life in, in modern liberal, and by liberal, I mean, old liberal life in modern liberal bourgeois society, right? According to Nietzsche and to BAP is equivalent to herd life. It's like, it's like cows whose only life is to be in pasture eating, uh, defecating and procreating, yeah. right? That's all, that's all life is in modern bourgeois society. And Nietzsche and BAP, they want to, they reject, they reject the, this, this, the, the, the last man uh, or bug life or yeast life as uh, BAP refers to it. And they, they want a new kind of politics, a politics of greatness where great individuals, right? And so there's, there is also an appreciation of hierarchy and inequality uh, in BAP's writing, writings, but it's without limit, without bounds, uh, and it, not based is, on not based on not based on the kind of hierarchy we. I mean, not based on the mind. It's based much more on on force and and politics and and power. And, uh, oh, absolutely, and, it is. in that I sense, mean, he he shares that with Marx. Right? It's about in the end power. Exactly. Consider the name. Bronze Age Pervert, or the book, Bronze Age Mindset. So what's Bronze Age? What's typical of the Bronze Age? So Bap wants to return to a pre-Socratic age. Uh, he, wants to he wants to return to literally to the Bronze Age. He has said explicitly, uh, and I'm quoting, death to logocentrism, death to reason, death to philosophy which, like Nietzsche, 
uh, he equates with logocentrism, that is, and philosophy yep. with Socrates uh, and, and, and the Greek philosophers. Uh, he wants to return to a pre-Socratic Homeric age uh, where, where individuals, uh, I mean, he has a, a different, a different view of human nature. He wants to, he wants to, um, do away with reason and he wants to, uh, elevate intuition, mm -hmm. instincts, mm -hmm. will, um, uh, what the Greeks called thumos. Uh, which is a kind of uh, which is a kind of spiritedness. He talks about innate, innate blood and desire. So it's it's it, he, in other words, he wants a return to the Dionysian in rejection of the Apollonian. Yeah. So and, right? and just to remind everybody, Ayn Rand has a famous essay, Apollo versus Dionysus. So you 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 know, which you contrast the two, and I think it's obvious comes down strongly on the side of Apollo. Uh, right. And he comes down strongly on the side of Dionysius. Mm -hmm. He wants to liberate man, what he thinks are man's natural instincts, uh, intuitions. Uh, he talks about the unquenchable lust for power. Um, and so therefore, his view of human nature also. So in other words, that is to say he views man's instinct, his instincts, his hormones, his blood, his desire, his will, as that which is most defining and fundamental about human nature, not the fact that man is the rational being. Right? So, so, yeah, so you said earlier that he rejects nihilism, but don't you think he is a nihilist? Well, th that's, I, no, that's, I think that's right. I mean, he, 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 re he rejects the nihilism of the left, but there's a sense in which he himself is a nihilist. Uh, he's a nihilist in I mean, because fundamentally in the rejection of what he calls logocentrism and reason and philosophy. I mean, there's a sentiment you could say that's the ultimate form of nihilism. And by the way, that's a nihilism that he shares in common with the postmodern left. Right. Because they reject the same things. Mm -hmm. Right. And and so he is in, in, in many ways, despite his rejection um, of of uh, his rejection of, of egalitarianism and nihilism, he does nonetheless share a great deal in common with those to, that, he, that he's opposed he's to. Yeah, yep. right? And so th his, this view of human nature that he has translates uh, into uh, moral action and into political action. So um, morally speaking, he's a kind of, to, to use a character from uh, Plato's Republic, he's what I call Thrasymachian, or he advocates a view of justice that one can describe as Thrasymachian, by which I mean Thrasymachus was a character primarily in book one of the Republic uh, who, who really makes famous the doctrine might makes right, hmm. right? So in other words, there, there is no right which is to say there, there is no objective view of justice or of, um, of human action. There is only will to power, right? A concept which he takes directly uh, from Nietzsche. So might makes right. 
And so those those who are Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Strongest, both in terms of willpower uh, and of, of physical strength, uh, of courage, uh, they should be allowed to roam the earth, literally, to literally roam the earth and conquer. Mm-hmm. That's the Bronze Age. So that is the Bronze Age. What's, what's similar if you will, about these different strands within the within the this new right, um, what's similar between the trad cons? Because the trad cons tolerate BAP. I mean, and and commentary not commentary. Uh, Claremont review books have clearly kind of embraced at least some of uh, the BAP BAP BAPists right in in uh, in uh, their, their online publication at least. Um, what is similar about them? What's the attraction of BAP to people in the Catholic conservative tradition? I would say it's two things. First, it's, it is, as I've already suggested, the rejection of conservatism and libertarianism, Inc. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's number one. And number two, which I've already suggested as well, is their anti-Americanism, by which I'm, you know, I, I'm using the term Americanism uh, as a kind of as a way to sum up uh, what I consider to be the moral political philosophy of the American founding. Well, and the third would be a rejection of the left and their and the view of the left as yeah, the sure. enemy and, and, and the be-all, end-all of the, the only thing to be focused on. Um, and I think to some extent that the Tradcons realize that they have been part of the what did you call them? The, the, the kind of traditional conservatism and, and the, that they have failed and that maybe BAP brings new blood or new energy or new excitement to the cause. Yeah. And, and, and I think this is something that we should all be thinking about. Right. So I'm a proponent of a free society. Mm-hmm. That's what I that's uh, that's what that's what I'm working for. Yep is is a is a free society and i i i recognize uh that that the totalitarian or postmodern left is uh is is in many ways i think it is the primary threat to 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 a free society um and and i also recognize the fecklessness of of Brooks Brothers conservatism and white paper Absolutely. libertarianism. Absolutely. Right? And so well, I... was in fecklessness. They, they're not just a fecklessness. They, not just that they're ineffective, but 
they actually do damage. They, much of their ideas, as we discussed in neoconservatism, lead to BAP, lead to uh, I- inevitably, because they're, they're bad ideas, and they're ideas based on also fundamentally a rejection of reason and individualism. So they, they're going to lead to these others, and that's, that's true both, I think, of the conservatives and the libertarians. Uh, absolutely. Conservatives in particular, right, yeah, share, share the, the same moral premise as the left, which is more, which is altruism. Yeah. Right. And I mean, this this altruism uh, uh, and its psychological cognate, uh, which is guilt. Uh, I mean, th- these have been the I think the primary factors in in uh, that are at the heart of this what I call fecklessness uh, of traditional conservatism and, 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 and even libertarianism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, you know, what we need to, what, I mean, what I, I, I think it is, Yaron, and you and I have talked about this privately before, as I've said, just in today's, today's show, I do think the tectonic plates, the cultural tectonic plates underneath this country are shifting in in massive ways. And it's important for the proponents of a free society and objectivists in particular to understand how those those cultural tectonic plates are shifting. Mm -hmm. And we have to find a way to be able to speak to this generation, this young generation that uh, on the one hand uh, has a sense of hopelessness uh, uh, on the one hand and and on the other hand a, a sense that, that that what they need to do is just fight and and that's all there is is just fighting fighting the left but that's in, that's that's radically insufficient right you have to have a you have to have a positive vision that's different than the left <laughs> that's different from the left. Yeah. Because right. their positive vision is the same as the left. It's the same nihilism. I mean, the, the great tragedy, I think, today in America is, and somebody asked about this, is can, can we even define left and right? Aren't they all the same? Well, in a sense, they're all the same. So somebody says, can you or, or Thompson define right wing versus left wing ideology? It seems like the closer one examines the differences, the more faint the line between them becomes authoritarian is authoritarian. No. And I'd say, yes, authoritarian is authoritarian. They, it's useful to to differentiate between authoritarian of the left, authoritarian of the right, for a variety of intellectual reasons to be able to combat them. But essentially, they're the same thing. There's a nihilism of the left and nihilism of the right. There's the common good of the left and the common good of the right. The public interest of the left, public interest of the right. But it's it, somebody, you know, it's it's. I've always said the spectrum is individualism, collectivism, and then at some point the collectivism branches into two. Right, one goes right and one goes left, but they're both collectivists, and they they kind of get really close to each other at at at, at the extreme. Um, so, do you think this has traction? That is, if we project out and 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 you know doing these things is always risky, but if we think ten, fifteen years out, twenty years out, is BAP bigger? Is is, is that the danger? Is are the tradcons more influential? What is the trajectory if nothing, if nothing is done to combat these guys? Uh, that's that's a that's a good and and a hard question. You know, on the one hand, I'd like to think that BAP and BAPism uh, is a passing fad, 
that it's that uh, you know eventually these these young men will grow up. Um, yeah. Maybe they'll get married, have kids, coach little league baseball, you know, and 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 have and 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 see the silliness uh, of all of this. Um, but you know, on on the other hand, um, it, it's it, it is growing. It is it is absolutely growing, and it, it also turns out that the the Catholic tradcon movement is growing. Yep. So, I mean, I, I let's just say I've heard that at one well known Ivy League university, uh, in fact, the most likely of all Ivy League universities, uh, has has a has a substantial faction of young graduate students who are uh, the who who are Catholic integralists. That is who 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 believe uh, in uh, throne and altar, uh, who who believe uh, you know, know what who, that is. Who, whose first allegiance is to the Pope, oh, wow. and and they they would like to see an American monarchy. Wow. So so I I, I mean I agree with that. I think that what this is scary is not in the in the sense that any one of these will be exactly what the future leads to, but that so many people are rejecting liberty on the right now. We know that this has happened already on the left. They're rejecting freedom, liberty, the found, and really scary, the founding fathers, right? They always used to claim allegiance to the founding fathers. That it's hard to tell what their manifestation will be in 10 years, 20 years. But we know, I think, that this is going to grow. Uh, and and who knows how the, the different, the, these movements might unite under a banner of, common good uh, under a banner of, of authoritarianism, under a banner of more materialistic action orientation. Uh, who knows what it'll, what manifestation it will take, but just like the alt-right in a sense evolved into this, um, this who knows where this is going to go, but it's not going in any good direction. That's, well, I'll tell you where it's going. It's going toward Weimar. It's yep. going toward Weimar, Germany, the right. 1920s, where uh, the left and the right want to exclude um, uh, the proponents of a free society, yep. right? So yep. that, 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 I mean, this is, this is the reason why they are attacking me so vociferously, yep. right? Because I actually represent a genuine alternative to what they're proposing um, relative to the left, right? As we've been talking about, they have more in common with the left mm-hmm. than they apparently have in common with me. And so I'm, I, I've become certainly with, well, actually, to be honest, with both the Catholic Tradcons and with the, the BAP boys, I've become public enemy number one, right? So well, that's since, a compliment, right? Yeah, since the Pajama Boy Nietzschean's essay was published, um, well over 20 essays, I think maybe now 25 essays, have been published in response to that essay. Uh, and um, so I'm, I'm sort of fighting a two-front war. Uh, right now uh, against both the Catholic Tradcons and and the Bat Boys. Um, And so, but this is the issue, Yaron. This won't be a passing fad if we don't fight it. Yeah, I agree. Right? Well, it it, it might be a passing fad in the sense of the particulars of Bat, but it won't be a passing fad in terms of the ideas behind it. That's right. And I I think that's absolutely right. I think we are... You can see the the nihilism on the left explicitly, which was the same in Weimar Germany. And shockingly, you know, people always, it it was the right or 
a kind of a unification of the nihilism of left and right, which led into, which was what the Nazis were. Uh, you know, they united both the right and the left. Right. Uh, yeah. And I mean, one of the things that they've been saying about me is that they've been criticizing me for is, quote, punching right. Right. Yeah, exactly. the, the well, first... I get that. It's on the chat, all over the chat. Why are we even talking about this? Isn't the real threat the left? Why are we punching right? We should be all focused on punching left. Later, we could deal with them. You know, and, and why is that wrong? Well, look, the first thing to say, anybody who knows me, yeah. right? And, and, and maybe, maybe your audience doesn't know no, who I am. No, this isn't about you. This is about me primarily because, they, you know, and it doesn't matter. See, to them, and this is, I'm sure, to BAP and to the uh, Tradcons, it doesn't matter how much you've punched left. That's irrelevant. It's the fact that you're daring to punch right that offends them. It's, this is just a rationalization, the fact that, that we're not spending every living moment of our life fighting the left is a complete rationalization. They don't want you punching right because they don't want you punching right. It has nothing yeah. to do with yeah. the left. But, the, but those, those, those are just labels, right? Yeah. Which is why we're, I we're reject... punching authoritarianism. Exactly. To repeat, I'm a proponent of a free society. Yep. And I will fight all enemies against the free society. Yeah. And that is uh, the totalitarian left and the fascist right. Because the fascist right shares nothing in common yep. in terms of the positive politi- moral and political vision uh, that they espouse with what I espouse. There, 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 is, there, there are no similarities. I have nothing in common with them. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, I mean... This is something that I, I just, I walked, I, in a sense, you know, I walked into by accident. Uh, I had no idea when I first published the Pajama Boy Nietzschean's essay that I would spend almost a year uh, fighting these guys. And let me, let me also tell you that not a single one of them has responded intellectually. Yeah, I've, I've seen the articles. Problem. I've seen the articles. They're pathetic. They response. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, the... I, they're all ad hominem. I mean, everything that has been published in response to me, either in terms of these essays or on Twitter, has all been ad hominem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and sometimes more than ad hominem. Yeah, say something about the more than ad hominem. I think it's important for people to know who these bastards really are. Okay. So let me just, before I do that, take a moment to promote my Substack. Because that's where this has all been happening recently. Yeah, and so, by the way, you can find uh, Brad Substack in the description below. I've linked to the Substack and to the five or six articles about uh, BAP and the, and the dissident right. Yeah. So my Substack is titled The Redneck Intellectual. Uh, it's at cbradleythompson, one word, dot substack, dot com. And uh, in the last few months, I've published a series of essays um, first in response to my Catholic Tradcon critics, and then in response to Bronze Age pervert uh, and, and his followers. Um, and l- let me focus in particular on, on a couple of essays that I published in late December, early January. The first of which was titled Bronze Age Pervert. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the fascist new frontier. And the second, the second one was titled uh, German Nihilism American Style. And then finally, there was a third Bronze Age pervert uh, and, or BAP and the BAP boys, uh, something like that. Anyway, um, they initiated on Twitter uh, a coordinated campaign. Uh, and this is demonstrable mm-hmm. uh, when I say coordinated. It was a coordinated, it was a campaign actually co- coordinated by BAP himself uh, to have uh, his minions attack me on on Twitter, and of course, it's all the standard. Uh, th- this is their term, not mine. It's all the standard shit posting, uh, demanding that I quote post physique, uh, describing me as cognitively female, um, and you know e- every other possible insult. None of which bothers me, of course. I mean. Uh, particularly during this lockdown, uh, all of this shit posting on Twitter against me has provided an enormous um, uh, form of amusement uh, and, and, uh, and laughter for me. But it took a nasty turn uh, after BAP and the Fascist New Frontier essay came out when they started libeling me uh, online. Uh, and then after they were libeling me and this again is demonstrably demonstrably provable that that they were uh, libeling me and defaming my character then they started threatening me physically and then after they threatened me physically then they started threatening my wife and children uh, and threatening to put together a dossier against me which they were going to deliver to the dean of my college right um, so this is, this is who, th- these are the people that I'm dealing with. Um, and they, they, uh, they, they continue the libel and, um, and they, and they also continue to say nothing substantive, uh, in, in response to my arguments. So, um, I mean, I, I know that, uh, this has distracted you from, uh, writing the, uh, second volume of your big magnus opus on the uh, on the uh, declaration of the constitution are you making progress on the on the second vol- on the second book no, no. <laughs> this really has taken over <laughs> it, it has taken over i mean yeah. I, I i will take this opportunity since you've asked yes. to tell you and your audience that volume 2 of what's now going it's actually now projected at a three volume yeah. um yeah you use the word magnum opus i'll take that um, uh, of my work on the American founding, um, volume two, I'm, I'm happy to tell you is at least two thirds, if not three, three quarters written. Um, so if I can just find a little time, um, hopefully this summer, uh, I'm going to make, I hope to make real progress, uh, on, and, on finishing volume two. And that's of course the positive vision, right? That's, that's the work on, establishing the political foundations for this country, you know, through the, through the declaration and the, and the constitution. 
uh, and um, and and the positive while you because because it, it doesn't help to fight the bad guys unless you're offering something positive. Yeah, and and furthermore, um, I guess they should be pleased to know that I'm getting bored with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't get too bored because we need you on the battle lines. Yeah. In in the end, they're just not that interesting. No, but but they. Their power, they're going to increase. I still think they're going to increase their power. Now, again, not in this particular form, but I, I'm very pessimistic about the right and the direction it's heading in terms of uh, intellectually, which is what these guys, and then the influence that has on politics, which I think is so both left and right, I think, are going to get just more corrupt, not less, and, unless something shifts in this country. Because you're right, tectonic shift has happened. And it's 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 drawing both the left and the right towards nihilism, and that the only outcome of that is 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 authoritarianism. If somebody rising up to clean the mess, right, to straighten us all up, right. When the when yeah. the leftist and rightist gangs are, 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 are fighting each other in the streets, just like Weimar Germany, people get pissed off when what they want is law and order. What they want is to is to clean the mess up, and they don't care if it comes from the left or the right. They just want a strong man. Yeah, that's of course that's absolutely right. Um, but there's a sense in which Iran, uh, I actually have a deeper criticism, not of the reactionary right, but of the people on our side. Sure. Right. So uh, they are, at least for the time being, um, on a cultural level, they are. They seem to be winning, and they seem to be winning because there's a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, where are the people on our side, right? It can't simply be Yaron Brook and Brad Thompson fighting the battle um, against the totalitarian left and the authoritarian right, right? We, we, need, we need intellectual allies, um, and we need more people from our side, the so-called intellectuals of our side, to start doing something. Well, I mean, I'll give you an example of, of kind of how disappointing it is in a sense, right? You remember I did a debate at Clemson, a, a discussion with Andrew Sullivan. And Andrew Sullivan is a really thoughtful conservative. And on certain issues, I agree with him completely. And I love reading him, no matter what, even if I disagree with him, because he's such a good writer. But Andrew Sullivan represents this other group of conservatives. What was it the, you called them, I think this is a term they've adopted, but I didn't hear it until I heard it from you, the front porch conservatives. You know, this is what Ayn Rand called the, the divine right of stagnation. These are the conservatives that just want to keep everything the same. Don't, don't, don't upset the car. Don't, you know, you know, we, we, we hate, you know, we hate Trump, but we hate Trump because what we really want is just stability and everybody to be calm and everything to be nice. And we want people to be able to sit on their back porches and just have, I just did a show on, on having a normal life. You know, there's, a, there's this philosopher who's advocating now for, why can't we just settle for a normal life on our back porches, you know, twiddling our thumbs? So, and then I read French who, who, writes constantly about the evangelical world and how you got to be a good evangelical, not like those crazy evangelicals. And it's like these people are nuts if they think they're going to win buying into the premise. So the universe of our allies is actually very small given, given how foundational and how philosophical the battle ultimately is. Yeah. Mint mint julep conservatism can never win. No. Right. Because and there's so that's that's the sense in which there's something to BAP and you can understand the appeal. It's yep. Fight Club 
uh, it's the fight club, right? They, yep. they do, they do want to fight the right. Uh, they want, I'm sorry. They want to fight the left. Yep. Um, and, and French f- front porch, uh, Republicanism or conservatism or mint julep conservatism. Mint julep, uh, I've never heard of that one. That's good. Yeah. They, 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 they just, they, they don't have the wherewithal. Yeah. Uh, they don't understand the nature of the intellectual battle that's taking place. And by the way, you know, uh, it just occurred to me that there is a there is a direct parallel between these mint julep conservatives um, and and in, in Atlas Shrug. They are the conservative version of Directive 10289, mm-hmm. right? If you remember James Taggart's uh, response to Directive 1089, as he screams, "I just want everything to stop!" Exactly. Right. No yep. more innovation. No more change. Yep. Yep. Let's wake uh, up. Let us. Let us just. You know. Catch our breath. Yep. Yes. Um, so yeah, join us in the battle. There's a there's a battle, and it's only going to get more real. I think. Um, in I think it's going to get much more much more real, and much more in the streets, and much more in our faces, uh, and and even more political than it has been. Uh, it's it's things are going to get much worse before they get better. All right, let's go to some questions. We got a bunch of them. Um, Huh. Uh, oh wait. So this is just because this guy gave. Uh, so he's he's giving he's contributing a hundred dollars for me to watch this documentary. Thank you. Da, 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 da. He says uh, America is going down in quality. It appears that living on an island like Puerto Rico makes sense. What is Brad's thoughts on going overseas? Any great states? Any great countries outside of America? And, and you're talking to, of course, a Canadian. So I'm not sure how he's going to answer. Well, Canada is not the place that no. I'm going. I, I can I can promise you that. Uh, I always thought the South Island of New Zealand, uh, maybe like Dunedin, Dunedin New Zealand. Uh, Church Christ, Church Christ, right? No, no, Queenstown, Christ. Queenstown at the top. Yeah, and Christchurch is on the North Island uh, as, as well, I believe. No, South Island. Christchurch is, is on the South Island, but it's a city down at the O. I I, I think the most beautiful place on planet Earth is in terms of a town a place you could live is queenstown in in the south island it's right in the mountains it's basically lord of the rings country right right everything around you looks like the scenery of the movie lord of the rings it's it's amazing and and yeah. stephanie says it's christ church not church christ thank you stephanie for for remi- for correcting me so any place other than yeah, I mean I'm with you on the South Island of of, of uh, New Zealand. I was more enthusiastic before COVID when 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 they basically shut down the you know shut down New Zealand and and banned all flights and isolated the place to the rest of the world. Um, a little spooky. It is the most beautiful place in the world, though. Yeah, yeah. So another place would be Saint Helena, uh, the island Saint Helena in the middle of the South Atlantic. Okay. I believe, it, yeah, South which is Atlantic. where um, Napoleon um, was exiled to. Uh, <laughs> so Brad's alternative to the United States of America, note, are tiny little islands in the middle of no. I mean, the good thing about New Zealand is, I always said, when the world ends, you want to be in New Zealand because nobody wants it, right? China's not going to invade New Zealand. They'll invade Australia because it has natural resources. And America doesn't, isn't going to invade New Zealand, and Russia's not going to invade New Zealand. And I think St. Helena is even safer than New Zealand um, in, in that sense. Yeah, and, and, and I do have 
Um, I, I, I do have my secret place in the United States uh, okay. that I'll be going to, but Gold's Gulch. I can't, I, I can't tell you what it is. Yeah, right? It's, it's Gold's Gulch. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Compared to Canada, um, say Evan O'Toole, a mildly traditionalistic central planner with great free trade plan, uh, has 30% support. And Maxime Bernier, mild isolationist, but also fantastic on other deregulation, 1%. What are the cultural issues in Canada? I, I have no idea. Uh, I'm, uh, I am formally Canadian. I haven't lived in Canada in 40 years. Uh, I don't follow Canadian politics. I don't follow Canadian culture. Um, see, see, following Israeli politics, because I haven't been to Israel and I don't really follow that much, but Israel is easy, right? Netanyahu is always prime minister. It, it doesn't matter. You know, this is the fourth election in two years and he's probably going to win, you know, by a smallest of margin. And stay. So it's easy to follow Israeli politics because it's just about Netanyahu. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, is the population becoming more entitled and reliant on government because the more regulated and statist we become, the less options they offer self-sufficiency in the marketplace? So is the government basically killing opportunity so people become more, self- more government-reliant? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I mean, I think I think the causes uh, of the the conformity and uh, the the reliance of people on government is, is more than it has a lot more to do with just regulation. But I think regulation is a part of it. And, you know, once you create a culture that has become reliant uh, on on government services and government handouts, generation after generation after generation, it does change. It fundamentally changes the nature uh, of the culture. And so, you know, the, for me, the more interesting question is: to what degree is the original American spirit of liberty? Uh, to what degree does it still exist in the United yeah. States? Yeah. Right. And my, my, my fear is that with every passing year, you know, some small percentage of that spirit of Liberty uh, is, is evaporating uh, and, and Americans are increasingly losing it. And, um, and you can see that, you know, Leonard Peikoff talked about it after nine 11 in, in his talk, Americans versus America, um, and how, how much is being lost and how 9-11 revealed that. And I think COVID, you know, the response to COVID, the, the acceptance, the willing acceptance by Americans, the support of Americans for lockdowns and just the shrugging and not caring about the unlimited power we've given government. I mean, truly unlimited, if you think about it, um, is just astounding to me. I never thought I'd see it. Um, I mean, to some extent, I think there's more demonstrations going on in Germany against lockdowns than there are in the United States. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, the the lockdown uh, is going to have a profound effect on the psyche of the Ameri- of the American people in ways that we can't see or understand right now. Right? I think it's only going to emerge over the course of the next decade how COVID and the lockdowns have have changed the rhythms of life and the sense of life yep. um, 
uh, of ordinary everyday Americans and, and and the ways in which you know much of life is lived in what I call the seams. Uh, much of our lives are the things that are unseen um, but are fundamentally important to us. They're in the seams. Um, and it's hard to see, right, how how the lockdown has affected life in the seams. Mm-hmm. But it is. It is inevitably, invariably affecting life in the seams. And it, but it's just not seen, right? We, uh, I mean, we we just we we see the big things, uh, the things that get all the news and attention. But the ways in which it has affected um, our our psyches and and just interpersonal relations. Like consider, for instance. When, when you're no longer permitted to see to, to, to seeing your parents or grandparents, yep. right? You go a year, a year and a half without being able to see uh, the people that you love the most, right? What is, what is the effect of that uh, on, on people over the long term? Well, I think it's an issue of, of, of what you said. You're not permitted because, I mean, let's remember that the generations that immigrated here, left their parents and grandparents and knew they would never see them again. But they made that choice. Uh, but here, choice has been... I mean, to me, what's the tragedy is the choice has been constrained, limited dramatically. We don't have those choices. And uh, that we don't seem to care. And then, of course, what are the consequences of, of, of all the people who are now... whose businesses have been lost, whose blood, sweat, and tears, and everything they put into them? Also, what happens to the psych- American psyche when we start expecting bailouts, not just the big banks, but every one of us, right? I mean, we've printed $5 trillion to bail out Americans, all of us. And, and that is just, yeah, I agree with you. It's going, to take, it's going to take the next decade to see how it manifests. Just like, I think the last 20 years have been interesting because 9-11, financial crisis, COVID, to me will be, three major historical events condensed into a relatively short period of time that all have a negative psychological and and material impact on the American life and the American sense of life that it, we'll see if American can recover. Yeah. Let's see. Right. Yeah. The fact that people admire and give status to the most vindictive and vicious levels of trolling is evidence that the hip thing to be in our culture is deeply nihilistic. I guess that's a statement, not a question, but I, I think that's right, and it's scary. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I will tell you, one of the things that, that has uh, really come to concern me and certainly bother me uh, is the fact that all of this uh, online trolling uh, is done under pseudonyms. Yeah. Right. So all of my critics, all of them, yep. are writing under pseudonyms. Right. And they claim that they're using pseudonyms because their views, you know, are so counter to the mainstream culture. Right. And and that they've got, you know, these these ideas that are subversive and and otherwise they'd be censored, et cetera, et cetera, or uh, at least morally censored. Um, But the fact of the matter is none of these people. Uh, are are really just promoting ideas. I mean, other than BAP, uh, what they're doing is they're just shit posting every day, all day long under pseudonyms. They're shit posting, right? And so I, you know, I'm being libeled. My my character is being demeaned. Uh, I and my family are being threatened, and I can't know who's doing it. Yep. And that's that's not cool. No, 
No, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's cowards. It's cowards. And it is. Technology really, one of the things that technology does, that social media does, it is allows cowards to express themselves in ways that they could not and would not ever do in real life. Because in real life, somebody would slap them. And, and at the end of the day, they are cowards and they are weak. And they might put pictures of buff uh, physiques online. But my guess is even if they're buff, they can't use it. And uh, most of them are not even buff. <laughs> most of them are just in their mother's, you know, basement playing video games. Yeah, which, which is why uh, in the original Pajama Boynichian's essay, the single line that bothered them the most, that, that sent them into paroxysms uh, of, of vitriol, was a line that I had referring to their, quote, 175-pound bench presses. Yeah. Like all these tough guys, you know, undoubtedly posting photo- photographs of somebody else, not them, yes. uh, are, are really just, in the end, uh, weaklings and sissies. So other than you two, are there any intellectuals taking on the alt-right losers in any meaningful way? I mean, Ben Shapiro did for a little bit. I don't yeah. think. I don't think this round, though. I don't think he's taking on the the, the Catholic traditionalist or the or the BAP. I don't think, and unless they express, you know, the old right he took on, and and but but he hasn't done that in a long time. Yeah. So you know, there's this guy Nick Fuentes that Shapiro has had some exchanges with. Well, Nick so Fuentes I think- is a real scumbag. I mean, he's really yeah, bad. No, I- He's an anti-Semitic, racist, you know, just disgusting. Um, he uses his real name, I think. Um, but he is, yeah, and he's got, he's got a more mainstream appeal, it seems to me. Less intellectual, more, you know, ruffians in the backyard kind of type of people uh, attracted to him. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, I, I will say it, it has been disappointing to me. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I'm fighting a two-front war. Well, actually, a three-front front war. Uh, the Catholic trad cons, the Babsters, the, those are two fronts. But, of course, every day, all day, I'm also fighting the left. Yep. So yep. I'm fighting a three-front war. And But certainly relative to uh, the Babsters uh, and the Catholic trad cons, uh, I've had very, very few people come to my defense so I mean, like, the, the tradcon is probably more than the BAPs because one of the things I see on the right is they don't, you know, the better people on the right don't, don't consider it worthy of their attention, right? They, but the tradcons, at least there's some writing on from people like French and, and others, but they can be effective because they agree philosophically, fundamentally, they, they ultimately agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, after the essay, after my... Um, uh, bat, uh, Bronze Age Pervert and the Fascist New Frontier essay came out. Uh, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of BAPS followers who came onto my Twitter account and, and for a week were just, you know, totally trashing me. Um, and, and I had almost no defenders, which was, yep. which was disappointing. I mean, you know, part of me says I don't need anybody defending me. Um, I, I do a pretty good job 
defending myself and I don't ask people to do it. Um, But we also have to understand is that this is an intellectual and cultural war and one or two people cannot win a war against an entire movement. Yep. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's yeah, this is going to have to get much bigger. All right, let's see. Uh, the other day I heard some young Republicans undergo a long discussion on Clubhouse. Are you in Clubhouse yet, Brad? No. Oh, God, you need to be in Clubhouse. It's the, it's the place. About how sexual liberation was a mistake and that women could not handle it. It was so comically horrible that I left. So I, I guess, I guess there's some of this... Um, some of this right attitude towards uh, women and sex is uh, even on Clubhouse, which is more of a, a, a Silicon Valley left-leaning kind of social media right. like everything else. Um, all right. What does Brad think about the musical Hamilton if he has seen it? That question seems to be a plant question. No, it's... It's it's one. Yeah, no, 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 it's no, a, I understand. It's a five dollar question. It's not a twenties. Yeah. It came now, but yeah, right. Yeah, so uh, I have not seen it. Yep. Okay. That's that. That's the bottom line. And if the if the subtext to the question, and I'm not suggesting it is, but if the subtext is, you know, what is my view of Alexander Hamilton oh, no, I, versus John Adams? I don't think you know, that was the. I don't think that's okay. the subtext. because that that's that's a question uh, in a debate that I get drawn into. Uh, quite a bit with some objectivists. Yeah. Yes, you do. And <laughs> I mean, I've seen Hamilton. I enjoyed it. Um, I, you, you don't you don't view a musical like that as a work of political philosophy or history. Um, I, I I think it's ridiculous how they portray uh, both Madison and uh, Jefferson. But I think generally, it is pro founding fathers. It is pro independence. It has some fantastic lines about freedom and liberty. Um, and it's done in a very joyous, um, positive kind of way. I'm not a huge fan of the music, but it wasn't ridiculously offensive either. Um, and it was fun. I, you know, I enjoyed it. And it was, uh, and it does, it is positive. And there is a cultural question here, which after you see it, we should talk about because there's a question of, it's incredibly popular, right? And incredibly popular with many people who associate themselves with the left, and it's interesting why that is and what is it about. Now, beyond the obvious, there are all minorities on the stage and all of that. But uh, what is – because the text is pretty good in terms of the, the, the words in it. So, oh, wait. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm not – I'm also not a musicals uh, kind of guy. So um, <laughs> he's chances trying to, are – He's trying to avoid going to see it. I can tell. <laughs> I will let me. Let I me take- I, resi- I resisted it because I can't stand rap, and uh, this is kind of hip hop rap type style, and I hate rap, and I I, I view it as anti almost anti music, um, and it, I still enjoyed it. So I have to say, in spite of my resistance, you do need like a, a, a trans- you need uh, uh, subtitles to follow everything, but um, it was good. Anyway, you want to say well, something. Let me- let me, yeah, let me just uh, take this opportunity again uh, to promote something. Yep. So I'm going to be going out to California in a, in a month and a half to record a PragerU video um, on John Adams. And, and I've just written a script for it. And the theme is John Adams, America's greatest 
founding father. <laughs> yeah, good. I love it when you when when that gets all stood up. We can have these uh, massive uh, debates about that. Good. Well, we yeah. we know that's your position because you gave a Opa an Ocon talk titled that. Yes, correct. In the pre-Ocon days, I think that might have been like CM. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, well, I did give two lectures uh, in around 2002 at the Ocon. I think it was Ocon Maybe still. Maybe it was Ocon then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in uh, it was around Palo Alto. Right. Well, I know at least one person who's going to be very upset at you. Yes. Um, but actually quite a few more than one. Um, I think we've answered this, but, but, but maybe not, given that it's a question. Is there any coherent vision of the world that BAP crowd wants to implement? A coherent vision of Cohe- the world? Well, coherent, yeah. I mean, it is, I think, what you said about... They want might is right. They want they want roaming knights to roam around the world conquering stuff, and they want to be the conquerors. Although it's unlikely they would be, if I can add that. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, let me mention two things that I haven't mentioned thus far about Bab's uh, philosophy, if that's what you can even call it. Uh, he is a proponent of the need for what he calls Lebensraum. That is the, you know, the, the struggle for the ownership of space, right? And where have we heard the, yep. the concept of Lebensraum before? And furthermore, he's also an advocate of what's known as Lebensborn. And what is Lebensborn? Well, Lebensborn was, was a, an invention of the Nazi SS. It was a eugenics program. And so Baptist called for both Lebensraum and Lebensborn, uh, which the one requires... Uh, and, and, and the Claremont Review of Books knows this, and they, they, you know, somebody like Anton still, you know, will associate with this? Yeah, the, the, the Liebensraum stuff is clearly in Bronze Age Mindset, the book. Um, the first call for Liebensborn, the eugenics program, um, came out of BAP's Caribbean Rhythms podcast um, a couple months ago. Yeah. What's the relationship with this this other guy? What's his name? Uh, uh, Jarvis, Jarvis, uh, Molebug or whatever. Molebug? Yeah, Men- Mencius Molebug. Yeah. Um, if you hadn't botched the name, I, I could have told you immediately. Um, Curtis Yarvin. Curtis Yarvin, that's right. Is the name. So what's, yeah. I'm sorry, what's the question? What's the relationship between him and Bab? Yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's a good question. I don't, well, what I, what I do know, maybe the only thing I know is uh, about this question is that it was Curtis Yarvin, namely Mencius Moldbug, who introduced Michael Anton to yes. the Bronze Age pervert. That I know. That I know for a fact. And Bronze Age pervert mentions Mencius Moldbug uh, on his podcast every now and then, mostly positively. They they seem to disagree on on some things. Um, I, I'm not. I, I don't really follow Moldbug, um, mostly because I just find some of his writing to be 
unintelligible and bizarre. Yeah. What I do know is he thinks the American Revolution um, was a mistake uh, and and a tragedy. That that the English deep state should have pounded the Americans uh, and 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 um, implemented a monarchy in the United States. And he's. Um... He, he's he got some support at least at some point from Peter Thiel, and so there's a there's a vast network of connectivity here. That's and he's a Silicon Valley guy. I think right. he's an entrepreneur, Silicon Valley entrepreneur. Um, all right, um, altruism is such an entrenched frozen abstraction. It's going to take thousands of intellectuals in key academic cultural positions before we can even begin to crack that. Yep, <laughs> that's true. Correct. It's going to take thousands. I'm I'm waiting. Um, (laughs) I love these questions. You know, people just write questions to try to to try to catch me. Um, You know, can we get you on to say something positive about Trump? That's that's the purpose of the question. There's no other purpose. So here's the question. Is the deregulation under Trump the reason the covid vaccine were produced so quickly? So. No, the answer is clearly no, because the COVID vaccines were produced so quickly because of the brilliance and genius of Pfizer and Moderna and everybody involved there. And, um, the, um, and it, it, what, what Trump did, which helped us get the vaccines early, is reduced the barriers uh, in terms of approval. So if you change it to is the deregulation of Trump, is... It's one act of deregulation, temporary. This wasn't permanent. No permanent deregulation happened. This is a uh, part of warp speed. He reduced the barriers of the FDA to approving the drugs. So uh, was Trump the reason the COVID vaccine was approved so quickly? The answer would be yes. The one good thing Trump did, or one of the good things Trump did, he did several good things, was that he uh, permitted the FDA to move relatively fast in approving the vaccine. Still, I think six months later than it should have, I, I think we could have started vaccinating people in June, but that's a whole other... I've talked about that. That's a whole other story. How has Kant influenced the right? Emmanuel. <laughs> Just off the cuff. Come on, Brad. <laughs> Well, in profound ways, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kant is the philosophic father of nihilism, yep. right? So, I mean, you can you can trace the nihilism of both the left and the right. I mean, ultimately to Kant, the destruction of reason uh, as me- man's means uh, of acquiring knowledge uh, is is that that is the birth of nihilism. Right. That's that's actually I mean, that's something that I would like to work on. I I would love to write a book at some point, Um, you know, if I can get these other ones done first. I'd love to write a book on the history of nihilism, Uh, the 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 origin and the history of nihilism and then its manifestation uh, in late 20th and early 21st century um, America. Well, the other book, I mean, this to some extent, Lena Peikoff has done this, and that is the connection between uh, those German philosophy and, and American history. And you did you have a chapter in your book on um, 
on the influence German philosophy had on the slave owners and, and slave society, really, in the South and the intellectuals of the South, which I didn't know, which completely knew the influence of Hegel and others. And, but that whole, the progressive movement came from, in a sense, came intellectually from Germany. The slave owner society came from Germany. All these negative movements in American history came from Germany and primarily um, uh, came from, um, uh, you know, ultimately from Kant. I mean, where did Hegel and all these other guys uh, come from, in a sense? Um, I mean, the other way in which Kant influences this is remember that Kant's goal is, is basically to save religion from the Enlightenment. And to the extent that he achieved that, all of our problems today are caused by him. Because, uh, you know, the, the, would we have as much religiosity in America today if not for Kant? If, 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 if the founders and the Enlightenment had progressed and, and not been halted by Kant, would, would the influence of religion on the right be so dramatic? Would there be such a thing as trad cons? Because it's, under, as Brad said, it's undermining of reason. That's the essential. Yeah, I think it's true to say that that all bad things emanate from Germany. Certainly, all bad ideas seem to yeah, emanate. Yeah, some good music. Uh, and uh, well, good good music of a certain era. That I think that, that is that is absolutely true. Well, that's connected to this this comment somebody makes. I just heard Leonard Peikoff will be doing a lecture next month with Lisa Van Dam about the value of operetta. Do you think you'll attend as well? I'll certainly listen to it. I, I, I don't know that I intend, but, um, but I am, uh, I've talked to, uh, you know, Operetta is a product of Viennese culture, so somewhat German, but, but more, much more uh, Viennese. And there's a whole issue of how, to what extent is Austria influenced by Germany and, and so on. But there was a period in the early part of the 20th century where that Viennese culture was quite, Amazing, and I think Leonard will talk about that in, in that it produced this art form called operetta, which is um, just one of the most benevolent pro life, pro happiness arts that's ever been produced. So uh, I know you're big on, on beauty and so on. Operetta is just, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, it's light, it's, it's easy to listen to, and it really is the, a, a music of. Um, happiness and, and joy, and, um, and Leonard will obviously talk a lot more about that, but, but I've, I've had long conversations with Leonard about Operetta, um, and, uh, and he's a huge fan of it, particularly in the last few years. Of course, uh, the person who introduced Leonard to Operetta was Ayn Rand, uh, and they used to sit together and listen to Operetta records. Um, but now he's, he can watch them on DVDs, which is a lot more enjoyable than even that. Um, all right, let's go through these quickly. Um, All right, that's not really a question. Uh, uh, is there anything related to the topic? All right, here's another one. One of these gotcha Iran questions. So, uh, be, uh, be, be, you know, bear with me. You brought out some of my best followers. Brad, I've been told by objectivists that I'm a racist to oppose Islamic immigration. And in the chat, he accuses me of this. Am I wrong? Do you think Islamic immigration has been good for Europe? <laughs> Do you want to get into this one, Brad? <laughs> uh, my answer is no and no. <laughs> oh, no. Good. <laughs> Am I wrong? Is he wrong? I don't know what he's wrong. 
in opposing Islamic immigration, Brad says, no. Do you think Islamic immigration has been good for Europe? No. All right. Um, I don't think anybody thinks Islamic immigration is good for Europe, but I, I will note this just as an aside. Uh, concretes and, and concretes, specific concretes don't prove anything, granted. But um, many of us will benefit from the Pfizer vaccine uh, developed by uh, two scientists in Germany uh, at, a, at, a, at a company, in, a startup in, in Germany that they uh, started. It's their company. Uh, they, they are billionaires now. Um, and the two scientists are both children of Turkish immigrants to Germany. So, um, yes, culturally, overall, Europe is no better for having Islamic immigration. But in some concretes, they're far better. And it depends on which Muslims. You know, depends on which Muslims. Uh, and um, I am pro-Islamic immigration to Europe in spite of that. Not, not mass migration. Uh, not mass migration in the form it took after the Syrian civil war, but I'm still pro-immigration. And uh, once you start differentiating like that, it's very dangerous. Um, once you start defining which groups are good for your culture and bad for your culture and determining who should come in and who should not. All right, yeah, Pop. Let me, just, let me just add to that yeah. by saying that um, I, I, don't, I, I don't like to answer those kinds of questions because uh, for the following reason. I have opinions, but they're mostly uninformed opinions. Um, and uh, I prefer to talk about things th that I can back up. Um, I mean, this is the kind of issue about which you spent yeah. considerably more time than I have thinking about it and researching it. I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm really just an ignoramus uh, on 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 that question. I'm shocked, Brad. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. This is a historic moment. We've got a public intellectual saying that he only wants to talk about things he knows something about. <laughs> That's unusual. Yeah, and it's it's even more particularly unusual because I reject the label intellectual. Why? That's weird. Why? Yeah, it's I, I don't I don't think of myself as an intellectual. Do I spend my days thinking and writing? Um, sure, uh, but there's just something pretentious. No, no. Uh, there we disagree completely. You yeah. are an intellectual, but more than that, you're, I mean, public, given, you're a public intellectual. Given, given, given all the public intellectuals, indeed, just given all the intellectuals that I know, I don't really want to be associated yeah, with them. It doesn't matter whether you want to be associated with them or not. You, uh, you, you're acting like them. The difference is in the quality of what you do or the, or the nature of the ideas that you profess. But you're engaged in the same activity. You know, just because a good bricklayer does a much better job than all other bricklayers doesn't make him a non-bricklayer. The activity you engage in is the activity of an intellectual, um, and uh, and therefore you are one. It's not, it's not pretentious. That's just a, that's just the activity you engage in. You know I'm right on this. I, I, well, I would I, I I would never call myself an intellectual. Well, then I will. He, I mean, Brad others, is a public intellectual. Um, others are free to do it. Okay. One day, uh, okay. So now I have a new mission in life to get Brad to call himself an intellectual. Um, <laughs> We're going to add this to the list of items Brad and I disagree about and get into violent arguments about 
Um, none of which are that important, but uh, still, still fun to argue about anyway. Although, although you know, coupling is an important issue. Um, well, yeah, but if they're if they're if they're not if they're not important, then why do we argue about them so vociferously? Because it's fun. Because in the important stuff, we well, tend to agree. There's a few important things that we probably disagree on, but the most important things we agree on. Yeah, that's true. Okay, Professor, do the alt right and BAP want? Cratocracy, which is a form of government by the strong. Never heard of that one. Are they also into Conan, Frank, Frazetta, images, Vikings, etc.? Um, well, I'll start with the latter part. Uh, BAP openly and explicitly in Bronze Age mindset calls uh, for. Uh, a, a new generation. I mean, the ideal man for BAP is the warrior, the pirate, the conquistador. So a big part of, I mean, he talks a lot about con the Spanish conquistadors in, in, in Bronze Age mindset. But what, of course, is deeply and profoundly ironic about the call for pirates, warriors, and conquistadors is that none of these Bapsters have actually engaged in any of this. Yes. And there are places all around the world where they can do it. Yeah. And in fact, at the end of one of my essays, uh, I challenged all the Bap boys uh, to put their money where their mouth is. And in fact, I, I told them that I would pay for the first three who came forward, I would pay their airfare to fly to, uh, to Africa and if, if they joined Al-Shabaab. Well, and they should, or oh, they could go to Afghanistan. I mean, there are plenty of places where they could. Lots, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They don't have to join anybody. They they should they shouldn't join anybody. They should conquer those places, right? And establish white man's rule over those places. I mean, those are you know that's that's what they really want ultimately. Hell, just 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 if you're not willing to join an Afghani warlord or Al Shabaab, then at least you know join the uh, the French Foreign Legion. There you go, French Foreign Legion. They still exist. I guess they do. I think so, yeah. I they yeah, yeah. Okay, since left and right are similar, is there really even a battle for real liberty without objectivism? No. Ultimately, yeah. ultimately the answer has to be no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and we are the real, I mean, I say this without, you know, it's somewhat pretentious, but I think justifiable. We are the real heirs of the founding fathers. I mean, Ayn Rand is, in a sense yeah. that she provides the real philosophical, whatever... They got philosophically wrong, and the and the, the the you know the law got philosophically wrong. Ayn Rand corrects, and she she lays that foundation for the founding on much much more solid ground. So objectivism is the heir of the Enlightenment. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, he said uh, regarding Hamilton that there's no subtext subtext to his question. Uh, he was just curious what you thought about the musical's historical representation of the founders, if you'd seen them. So, honest question. It was an honest question. Um, why is the, is the left organizing to get rid of Andrew Cuomo because he's not enough of a leftist for their liking? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know that. I mean, every, every now and then... The left, it's very infrequent, but every now and then they circle the wagons or they form circular firing squads. Uh, my guess is that the, the left knows a lot more about Cuomo's uh, vices and if not crimes 
than the, than the general public does. And they're probably trying to take them out before all of this becomes public. Maybe. I, I think it's, I, I read this piece somewhere, so it's not my thought, but I thought this was really interesting. Um, so here is Como, who is clearly responsible for the deaths of thousands of New Yorkers, right? But bringing them back into the, uh, into the uh, uh, nursing homes and then hiding the numbers, right? So he was, a few weeks ago, we discovered that he was hiding the numbers, literally distorting the public record of what he had done. And there were calls for his resignation and all of that. And those were all, you know, and, and, and Democrats didn't really rally around that. Almost immediately, he started being accused of sexual harassment. Now, Democrats know how to deal with sexual harassment. You, 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 you know, and, and so all these women came out, sexual harassment. We're talking about the deaths of thousands of Americans. Democrats are like, eh, who cares? Right. But sexual harassment is an unforgivable sin because the party is, is held to the grip of, of this feminist ideology that, you know, and they look, they look really bad. So now everybody's come out to say, all these political leaders, he should resign. But so far, he's, he's holding on, and he might, hold that, he might survive this. We'll see. But it changed the conversation, interestingly enough, away from the thousands of people he, he, his decisions killed. Yeah. Part of the issue is he's a thoroughly unlikable human being. Right. So even even people in his own party dislike the man uh, and there probably have been long knives out for him for a long time. Sure. Uh, and then they just haven't had the opportunity yet. Yep. Uh, you know, any rich people who don't who you don't think are that high IQ? Yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> Yes. Not sure what that proves one way or the other. Right. Yeah. I, I, and there's actually some good research on this, that the relationship between wealth and IQ is not that strong. The relationship between IQ and other measures of success is, IQ explains, I don't know, I think between 20 and 30% of, of, of the success, but not in terms of wealth. It's not correlated that much between. How is existence absolute? That's a metaphysical question. Existence just is. You know, even, even talking about it being absolute assumes that it is. And all we say about existence is that it is and that it's primary. It's redundant. Yeah. There's, I don't get metaphysics. It seems so simple. I know, I know it's not in philosophy, but right. it's like, yeah, things are what they are. Uh, fascism is often a reaction to unchecked socialism. Yet you seem to f- so focused on that future, and you seem less aware of the unchecked socialism part. <laughs> Same thing. Is that you or me? I think it's me, but it's probably it's, it's, it's probably to some extent both of us, uh, because that's what we're talking about. Um, you, you have to you have to fight them both. You have to fight them both, because other because so fascism is no better than socialism, and in some respects worse. Um, it, it's, it, it depends on the level of socialism that manifests itself, but um, you got to fight them both, and there's no order, right or wrong order, in which to fight them. Yeah, I, I mean, just to be honest, I, 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 
I don't mean to be testy with uh, the person who's asked this question, but it's it's hard for me to take seriously, given the fact that I have been fighting the left for 40 years, 40 plus years. Um, And, you know, it's it's only every now and then uh, that um, that I've taken the gloves off, as we say in Canada, uh, with with uh, authoritarians and fascists of the right. But um, I mean, my whole life has been has been fighting the left. So and it's it's ridiculous. We're fighting authoritarians. And, And in that sense, there's no difference between the left and the right. So just drop it. Right. It's, but, and, it's, and, and yeah. And, it's, and again, I don't think of myself as as I, I you know, you've, I know you've talked yeah. about this multiple times on the show, but it just bears repeating that the left right political spectrum is completely meaningless. Yep. Um, and I, I don't define myself and I don't define my philosophic and political views uh, along that left right axis. Um, I'm a proponent of a free society. And I will talk all day long about what that means, yep. what a free society is founded on and what it looks like. Um, but, and, and I will defend all critics of the free society, wherever they are coming from. Yep. And don't forget fascism is a form of socialism in a sense. They're all authoritarians and they all need to be fought and uh, you need to fight them constantly. Um, and there's a reason to think, I think, that the long-term outcome is much more likely to be fascism than communism for a variety of reasons. Um, who is going to take over Rush Limbaugh's influence on Republicans? I don't know. Why would I care? Um, and I'm not sure he was that influential but, uh, on Republicans. If you remember, um, you know, he often advocated for candidates who didn't win. Um, I, I, I think Rush Limbaugh became, particularly in the last eight years or so, more vehicle by which his audience shaped his view rather than he shaped the audience's view. Uh, and he became afraid of his audience. He became afraid, of, for example, of criticizing Trump uh, because uh, the audience loved Trump. So he became... I think he was amazing early on in his career and then became less influential and much more mouthpiece for I don't know what to call them, but his audience. Okay. I have dedicated my last school projects to objectivism, comparing Rand to Ibsen, even convinced my teacher to let me speak about objectivism in my religion and ethics class. This is a guy from Norway. Right? So this is in Norway. Um, thank you, Yuan, for changing the way I see the world. Oh. I didn't realize it was a thank you. Yes, absolutely. That's why I do what we, I do. Um, it, it's, to, it's to find those minds who've never been exposed to Ayn Rand and, and get them exposed to these ideas. And this is how we win, I think, the battle for liberty in the end. It's not by creating a mass collectivistic movement. It's by changing one mind at a time and by, by shaping, you know, by helping those minds find re- the truth, find the, the, the philosophy to guide their lives, which is, should be your focus, and it, thus change the world. Um, let me recommend, uh, was it The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which is one of uh, Brad's publications. He publishes a good, the bad, or the ugly post uh, once a week. Or once, I, I can't, once a week. Yeah. Once a week. Um, 
uh, it, it should be the good, the bad, and ugly, and the beautiful, uh, because he has a section on the beautiful. Um, Andrew asks what the thesis of Brad's next book is. Well, I can tell you that, well, I'll give you the title, which I think from which you can, you can draw the thesis and the theme. The, the title uh, is uh, America's Constitutional Mind, colon, on the origin and history of the idea of a written constitution as fundamental law. Yep. Good. So, uh, so yes, we're in the business of changing minds. Uh, in the cause of liberty. Yeah, and if I could, if I could yep. just one more time uh, uh, promo my Substack. Uh, it's the Redneck Intellectual. You can get it at cbradleythompson.substack.com. Uh, I'd love for people to to sign up and get uh, get my Substack delivered directly to your front door. And um, and as Yaron said, one of the one of the weekly features uh, is a series that I run called "The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly." But the 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 part that most people seem interested in is the addendum to "The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly," which is the beautiful. Yep, yep. Good. And and in the beautiful, Brad talks about movies, uh, aesthetics, aesthetics generally. So uh, so, in, which you guys all know that I'm a big fan of. Uh, which reminds me, one of the things I'll be doing tomorrow is reviewing the two movies you guys uh, asked me to review. So uh, the movie Real Genius and uh, Contact. Did you see Contact a long time ago with Jodie uh, Foster? Well, maybe I did. Jodie Foster? Uh, yeah, I think I at the very least saw part of it. I'm not a sci-fi guy. Call, so. call Sagan, Call Sagan story. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think of it as a sci-fi really. It's not, the sci-fi part is not what's interesting about it. Um. Right, but it involves spaceships or aliens or something. It involves aliens, but you know, no spaceships. Yeah. No spaceships invited. Um, but it does involve aliens, and but very minor role the aliens play. It's mainly about it's mainly a, mainly about faith versus reason. Um, but it's anyway. I'll I'll tell you guys what I think of it tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, it's an interesting movie. I think it's an and it's well made. It's with Matthew McConaughey, who I think you you like. Yes. yes. Yeah. By the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, um, but I have to go. Yeah, me too. Me too. I've got. Uh, I've I'm got. A, to I've got a call. <laughs> I've got a call coming up in three minutes that I got to take. All right. So. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for joining Yon, us. Thank Keep you. Up the good work, and uh, we will we will do this again. Uh, and uh, thank you all, guys, for uh, listening in. And um, you know, have a great rest of your weekend. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Ron.